Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So in a series on relationships, Paul talked about offence last week. Um, uh, If you want a subtitle for my message, if you're a note taker, uh, you could call it Intentional Listening. And most of my um, message comes from one verse, James 1 verse 19. It has four key words in it. It says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. That Greek word, the original Greek that got translated into English for us, for quick is only used one time in the whole Bible, just here in this verse. That's weird when you get a, you know, you think quick, that's a pretty common word, isn't it? We know what it means. But this particular one is only used there, in the Bible. And one layer of the meaning is to be ready, ready to listen. So it implies this kind of going into an interaction with intent, with intent to listen. I go in with that attitude, I go in with that approach, I'm all ready, I'm prepped, I'm here to listen. Another layer of the meaning is to do it without delay and that's probably more like what we understand the the English word to mean, quick, you know, without delay. So it's not like, look, when I'm finished getting all of this off my chest, then you can talk. It's not that, it's to do it without delay. And it's not, you know, can we talk about this tomorrow? It's doing it without delay. For a person to be truly listened to is a powerful experience. Powerful. And if it's your two-year-old, say, I'll be with you in a minute, and then get down at their level, give them eye contact, and open up the floor. What do you want to tell me? And listen while they say the most amusing things, and sometimes the most profound things. And soak it up. Soak it up. If it's your teenager and, you know, instead of going down to their room all by themselves and being on technology forever, today they just seem to be in a mood that they want to chat. Seize that moment. Take it. Take it while you can. Turn off the TV. Take away all distractions. Get yourselves a drink and sit down and open up the floor and see. you will find out so much intel where they've been, who they've been with, what things are like, how they're feeling about things, what's on their mind. You'll get it all. You'll get this big download. And then they'll disappear into their room again and get on technology. And the next time you get a window like that might be weeks, weeks later. So take them while you can get them. Uh, my wife had a, the unusual opportunity to meet and sit down and have a chat and a coffee with a pretty famous author and sociologist called Hugh Mackay. Anyone ever heard of Hugh Mackay? Yeah, he's um, done heaps of longitudinal studies of Australian culture and what it's like to be an Australian and live in Australia, what it's like to live in the suburbs, what it's like to live in the, in the middle of the city, what it's like to live in the rural areas, how dynamics have changed since the 70s and since the 80s and since the 90s. He is a very, very well-respected author of many books about social change, cultural norms, etc. His latest book is called The Kindness Revolution. You should get on it. Um, Anyway, 
Louise was like, this is going to be great. This guy is, a, you know, so knowledgeable. He's seen so much. He's talked to so many people. I'm just going to, like, pick his brains and I'm just going to get him to tell me everything. And it'll be really interesting and intriguing for me because I'll find out so much stuff. But it wasn't like that. He wanted to know about her. And he's like, tell, so, tell me your story. She's like, oh, oh okay. Uh, so, you know, my childhood was like this and church and music and other influences. And, and he was like, yeah, yeah, tell me more. And nearly all the talking was done by her. And she walked away from that going, wow, that was not what I thought it was going to be at all. He was just so intent on listening to me. Wow. No wonder he knows so much about people and what they think and all of that, because he does that all the time. <laughs> listen. Be quick with intent to listen. The Greek word used in that verse is akousai. And from that we derive our English word acoustics. We've got brand new PA in this room, all these things that are slung up on the ceiling. And, you know, if you're not a musician, you might not have particularly noticed. But it's really, really good compared to the old stuff, trust me. And there's also racks of amplifiers and um, system control back there behind the stage. And we're all really, really glad that the new system's in. And I was in the room when these nerd burgers were here installing it and they were like nerding out big time they are so knowledgeable about acoustics about how things work in the room about where sound bounces and what angles and everything and they had have you ever seen those laser pointers that builders use and they put them down to, to figure out how far that wall is away from me they just point the laser at it they had the, they had lasers going all over the room from where the speakers would be and all sorts of stuff and they had their big analytical um, dashboard back there on the computer, figuring out, oh, that'll need to come back 10 centimetres and we'll try it there, and then playing music through it and then, you know, moving it again and adjusting, adjusting, and adjusting. They were nerding out. But, man, they knew what they were talking about. Incredible. This word in this verse is talking about that kind of listening, like analytical listening, like close listening. When you sit down and listen to another person, like, you've got me, you've got all of me, I really want to know, I'm trying to understand. It's that kind of listening. Now, this is talking about how we relate to other people, but most of the time this Greek word is used in other places in the Bible, it's talking about how we relate to God, which makes me scratch my head and go, does that mean my prayer time should be like maybe... 75% listening and only 25% talking? Does that blow anyone else's mind? Because I've always thought prayer was talking, me talking, talking at God. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Now I'm finished, see ya. God's got, oh, I wouldn't have minded telling you a few things. Very curious. <clears throat> so it means... That word listen means to comprehend by hearing. So the goal is understanding, comprehension. Ah, I really get you. I really get where you're coming from. That's what it's for. Active listening, tuning in. 
And if we're truly listening like that, when the person's done talking, probably what we do next is ask another follow-on question because of something they said that we were paying attention to. And we go, so when you describe that, what was that like for you? Because that must have been disappointing. And they go, yeah, actually it was, and they tell you more. Active listening produces more questions, exactly like it did with Hugh Mackay and Louise. To become so curious about the other person that you give up your right to speak. So while Louise was having this fairly one-sided conversation with Hugh Mackay, she described to me that it felt like an honour. You know how people say, oh look, for me to be here with you, sitting next to you at your graduation, you know, that's, that's a real honour. I feel honoured to be here. Like that, that word honour. Like he was honouring her by making her feel that she was important. And it made me reflect on the vital role of listening in building and sustaining marriages. If you're going to resolve a disagreement, you're going to need to listen. If you're going to clarify some expectations, it'll require some listening. If you're going to recognise when your partner needs support from you, you're going to need to listen real close and hear the change in tone. You go, oh, hang on, drop everything. You okay? Listening for almost every aspect of marriage. Um, And listening really does reflect giving honour to that other person. It's honouring them. So, I won't wait till all the food's served at the men's event next week. I'll just say it now to the men, to the husbands anyway. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands who do not honour their wives can expect the consequence that their prayers will be hindered. So, if you're a husband who kind of tunes out, when your wife is giving you valuable gems about how she responded to something and what she felt about something and how she felt towards someone, they're all clues to help you one piece at a time fill in the puzzle of who she is and what she's like. Lots and lots of clues. You might want to rethink the tuning out and start tuning in instead so that your prayers will be answered. Boom. Sorry about that, guys. It's just the truth, though. Training.com.au says that jobs in counselling are growing by 25% in a five-year period. Psychology and coaching are also growing at the same rate. We have a massive uptick in demand because people need someone to listen to them. It's a big thing in in our society right now. And people are developing expertise in authentic listening, getting skills in it. And I'd like to acknowledge that there are some experts in the room and some experts in the membership of our church who are coaches, who are psychologists, who are counsellors, who have years of experience and awesome qualifications. And thank you for your service to our community. These are the listening professions It's imperative when we're thinking about our relationships that we have got to be growing and getting better at listening. If you're the same 10 years later in your listening ability, something's going wrong. 
that you should be growing and getting a bit better at it. Even a little bit better at it would be great for all of us, me included. We all need to work on listening. So, when we arrive on scene with premeditated intent to listen, we're ready to go, so that we can understand that's the goal, guess what our arch enemy is? Assumption. To quote Samuel L. Jackson, assumption makes an ass out of you and umption. I know, no one could do Samuel L. Jackson like Samuel L. Jackson. A really interesting scenes described in the Gospels where Jesus demonstrates for us what it would be like to come up to someone with zero assumptions. In Mark 10, verse 36, Jesus is talking to a couple of his disciples, James and John, and he says to them, what do you want me to do for you? Very open question, right? What do you want me to do for you? And they got a little bit silly, a little bit ambitious, a little bit... I would jostle for position and, you know, I'd like to sit, you know, in a place of honour in heaven with you. And he went, when you come up with a serious answer, come back and talk to me. You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what that's, yeah, anyway. And then just a short time later, when I mean short time as in the verses of the Bible, in chapter 10 and verse 51, he hears blind Bartimaeus over the noisy crowd. He can still be heard. That's how loud he's yelling. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He really gets attention. So Jesus goes over to him. And he asks him the same question. What do you want me to do for you? This is someone who has to beg for a living because he's obviously blind. But Jesus doesn't assume. He asks, what do you want me to do for you? If you were in the situation where you were legally blind and someone said to you, what's your top priority, what do you want me to do for you? You might not answer that you want to see. You might go, I have spent decades improving and paying more attention and tuning in my hearing and my other senses, so that's not as important to me as this restored relationship or this other thing. You might answer all sorts of things, but hearing, um, seeing might not be your top priority. And... In stark contrast to this, on another occasion when Jesus is gone and his disciples are entering the gate beautiful, they see another guy and he asks them for money and they go, nah, not giving you that, be healed. Which is fine, I mean, being healed is great. But Jesus started with, what do you want me to do? What would it look like if we copied Jesus? Like, tried to imitate his behaviour, tried to become like a representation of that same kingdom that he came here to represent. If we went into conversations determined not to make assumptions. I've had many occasions where I assumed that I knew when someone did something, I knew why they'd done it. <coughs> Wrong. And I assumed when someone said something, where they were coming from and what their motivation was. <coughs> Wrong. I've been wrong enough times that I've thought, hang on, maybe I need to... <laughs> modify my behavior and not go in with assumptions and it is so easy to just ask oh that's interesting what did you mean by that why did you do that oh because I thought this might happen ah, glad I didn't run with my assumption because I would have been dead wrong and if you are dead wrong and you react 
to an assumption you've got, then you're way off beam, aren't you? You're way on the wrong track over here. And then you're reacting to something else and getting even further off track and further and further and further. And we're all like banging against each other, making all these assumptions and like train wrecking relationships and friendships never get off the ground in the first place because we're misjudging each other when we could just ask. Oh, what makes you say that? I know. Sorry. Simple preaching from Stu. To know someone's desire is powerful. What do you want? Because God's word said, if we trust in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. So what we desire is important. And Philippians tells us if we choose to reject anxiety and instead ask God for what we want, then there's a guarantee, there's a conditional promise. If we do that and then that, the peace of God will come and guard our heart and our mind. That's the promise. But after rejecting anxiety... You've got to get yourself into a place where you go, well, I suppose I better think about what do I want? Like, what, what do I actually want God to do for me in this situation? I suppose I want him to go to work changing that other person's heart. Good, ask him for that. And then watch the peace come. No more washing machine of anxiety. Just you've asked God for what you want and the peace comes. That's how that works. In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, you can look it up later. What can your spouse do for you? Why don't you ask them? Ask them for what you want. Why not? What can your friend do for you? Why don't you ask them for what you want? What can your boss do for you? Why not ask? What a liberating thing. Just ask. Believe it or not, humans are not capable of reading each other's minds. So, you know, if you just ask, they'll go, oh, I had no idea that you wanted that. But now that I know, I'm actually happy to do that. And you go, what a win. What a win. <clears throat> now put the boot on the other foot. Instead of asking for what you want, why don't you invite people to ask you for what they want from you? Is there anything you'd like me to do differently to how I'm doing it now? And just see what they say. Invite them in. Say, go ahead. Ask me for what you want. Do it with your friend. Do it with your spouse. Do it with your neighbour. Do it with your colleague. And then listen. I would say that in pre-marriage preparation sessions, the number one thing that wives tell me that they want from their partner is to be understood. Not perfectly understood, but, you know, could you be obviously making an effort to understand me more and understand more and more about me as we grow together so that we reach a point where you know you understand me far better than anybody else does? That's what I want. True. All the ladies in the house, is that true? Hmm? There you go. Got a yes from a couple of people. <coughs> when we find someone who understands us well, it's like a sweet gift. You know, I can just speak, I can just be myself, I can just relax with you because you get me. You know I don't mean that by, you know, you know, you know me. It's such a relaxing place, it's such a peaceful place to be understood. 
Anne of Green Gables would probably describe that person as a bosom friend or a kindred spirit. You know what I mean. But there's no shortcut to that. There's only way there is to listen. All right. The last thing I'll mention is that we need our fuse to be long and our tolerance to be wide when we deal with diverse people. We've got a teacher at school who's kind of Indian looking, has quite dark brown skin, he's got this amazing beard that's kind of, um, you know, cropped and it's like squared off at the bottom and he looks amazing. Um, And one of our neurodiverse students came up to him this week and said, I don't care, that is not a terrorist beard, you are not a terrorist, your beard is nice. And he went, "Um, thanks, (laughs) I think. (laughs) And then he walked off and we both looked at each other and went, hmm. Uh, And another one of our learning support assistants was dealing with another one of our neurodiverse kids and, uh, and he came up to her and said, I don't want you to think that I'm racist because I like Asian people, so I like you. And walked off and she went, oh, thanks. I'm not Asian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good working in schools. Um, You know, when stuff happens to me like that, it doesn't have to be that humorous and that dramatic. And I think, oh, there's a chance here that, you know, I could take that the way I think they meant it. All I do is suspend just push a pause button and wait and let the conversation happen a bit more and wait and it will become clearer and clearer whether there was any malice in that or not. And once you get to know the person and understand them more by listening, you might go, oh, don't worry, they don't mean anything by it. They're not even sure what Asian means. Yeah, okay, fine, that's fine, everything's fine. But, you know, when you get the opportunity like that to be the bigger person, take it. Be the bigger person. Have a long fuse and a wide open stance. You can literally be Christ to that other person by not reacting and instead waiting and keeping things open so you can understand people. People are not just like you. Everyone say, oh, praise God, people are not just like me. Not me. Oh, you guys are mean. No, but they're not all like me. And that's the thing. When I say, if, if I said that to someone with that tone, I would be being sarcastic and cruel. But guess what? They're not me. So I've got to go, hang on, hang on. What did they mean by that? Let's keep it open. Let's just suspend. Let's just wait and see. Oh, no, they didn't mean that by it. They didn't even know what they meant by it, maybe. They're not me. It's like someone told me recently they were considering using a particular platform for learning a language. And someone else said to them, no, you don't want to use that. It involves way too much reading. Yuck. And their response was, but I like reading. People are not just like you. Done. In Acts 17, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses this kind of openness to effectively witness to a very large group of people. He comes in. And he sees thousands of gods. When people believe different things to us, sometimes we can run scared. Sometimes we can clam up. Or sometimes we can get really oppositional and aggressive. Or we can just truly listen and try to understand where they're coming from. Paul sees 
these pantheistic people with these thousands of gods and praises them for being so religious. Well, obviously they are. They've got thousands of gods. And passionate. He's like, good job, guys. And that's how he begins, by understanding where they are coming from. Have you ever thought about your friend who's dabbling in the occult as a passionate seeker of spiritual experience? Because that's all that's going on there. If they came in here and felt the anointing in our service and saw somebody get healed, they might go, oh, this is good too. This is what I've been looking for. Hmm. Have you ever had a rethink about your atheist friend as someone who wants to know for sure that they're not believing in fairy tales? So give me something real. You go, all right, how about if I pray for you and your leg grows so that you don't walk with a limp anymore? Yeah, if that happens, then there you go. It's called a sign and a wonder for a reason. And they go, well, this is tangible. That changes everything. They just don't want to be deluded. They just don't want to be fooled into thinking some nonsense. Ask God what he sees when he looks at your unsaved friend. Get his perspective. You might be surprised. All right, two more words. Slow and speak. Slow means taking time to deliberate, unhurried, while still moving forward after considering all the facts. Are we in no hurry to take over and be the one doing the talking again? No hurry. You finish what you're saying. No hurry. Uh, Our deputy principal does this thing when he's talking to a student about any incident that happened. He goes, hmm. And then they say more and he goes, hmm. And they say more and he goes, hmm. And they say more. (laughs) Students will literally dig themselves into a hole, (laughs) give way too much self-incriminating information, even throw their friends under the bus if you just leave enough space for them to, they feel uncomfortable, they just keep on talking. And you're like, thank you for that. I've just written that all down. Can you just sign down the bottom there? Thank you. <laughs> speak. We've got to be slow, right? Slow to do this. But speak, in classical Greek, this word is chatter. It's rant. Don't get on your hobby horse and rant at people be slow to do that be very slow to do that it's not slow to give sympathetic response you know you can interject briefly when someone's telling you something and you're listening properly you can say wow that must be hard and they go yeah it is and then they keep talking don't be slow to do that that's perfect don't be slow to restate to them what they just told you just to make sure that you're understanding them properly that's great But be slow to, you know, I've got an axe to grind. It's been ages since I, you know, got this off my chest to the 4,000th person, so I'm going to tell you too, and blah, 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 blah. Be slow to do that. Be slow. Because maybe that other person just needs someone to listen. We've got a real mismatch there. So, as we wrap up our LinkedIn series... We should think about and develop more and more the art of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Maybe you're here today and you heard me talking about listening to God before and you thought, that's weird. Can God talk to me? Maybe you don't even know God and you're just visiting with us. But if you don't know God, you can make a connection with Him right now today. Build a bond and start a brand new relationship. It's really easy. 
you just come to him with a willing heart and invite him in. And the way we do that at our church is you repeat something after me and everybody does. So if you would like to join in on that and make it personal for you, you can do that out loud and you'll just be drowned out by everyone else around you doing it too. And then later, when everybody's gone out for coffee, you can come up here and we can pray with you and have a bit more of a talk about that and give you a gift. So let's all pray together, church. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I'm sorry for living without you. Come into my heart. I thank you that today I'm saved. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.